0: Welcome to Idaho Catholic Podcast, coming to you from the beautiful and faith-filled Western Idaho. In this podcast, we attempt to share a perspective relevant to modern life and grounded in the faith. My name is Deacon Pat, and my co-hosts are off on vacation this week. So I'm gonna take this opportunity to talk to you a little bit about prayer and the spiritual life. I think for many of us, many of us Catholics anyway, We all desire to be closer to God, to be able to understand God and to see God in our life, and really to follow where God is prompting us to go and and what to do in our life. But to be able to do so, we need to really be able to communicate with God, to be able to talk to Him, and to be able to hear His voice. And the way that most of us do that is through prayer. So let's spend a few minutes and really talk about our prayer life spiritual journey one of the things that we'll need to understand is that prayer is the foundation of our spiritual life and why is prayer our foundation because prayer is really how we communicate with God it's it's the way and means that we can communicate it's the means of having a relationship with him and it's a way for us to spend time with him it's a way that we can reflect on our thoughts our beliefs and our actions, through the lens that maybe God sees us. And it's the way that we pray is the way that we believe, and what we believe is the way that we pray. So let's think about our prayer time and and if there's a structure to our prayer time. Um, for many of us, we like to designate a special time for prayer in our life, to keep it structured and to keep it disciplined, to make sure that we're not just engulfed of the things of the world and that it shows a commitment on our part that we want to be and desire to be in relationship with Christ. And disciples, we have to always remember that we're all disciples. We're all called to be followers of Christ and disciples are to be disciplined. So it's one of the things to reflect upon in our own life. Do we live a disciplined life? Because a structured prayer time shows commitment, desire, and obedience. So when is it that we should pray? Well, this can be as individual as you are an individual. You can pick and choose when you'd like to pray. But I think there is some merit to saying that uh, having a structure to that prayer time um, is beneficial for you and for your relationship with God. So some will start and end the day with prayer. Others designate a routine time for prayer, maybe nine o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning. I've known some people to set their watches for lunchtime. So they're reminded by that beep of the alarm of the watch that it's time for prayer. Because if you're like me, which maybe I'm assuming that many of us share some of the same characteristics, um, this world and the demands of the world, um, can really, um, maybe, I, don't, I, don't, I want to say stifle out our desire, but I don't think that's the right word. I think um, the, the actions of the world, the stimulations of the world, the temptations of the world, and just the noise of the world can often just take our attention away from the sublime, from, from, from God and Jesus in our life. So length of prayer. So I don't really think quantity should be replaced by quality. I think the length of the prayer is determined by um, your needs in your life, the time that you have available, and your desire um, to be close to Christ. Um, for many, starting a routine of prayer is more important than, than the duration of prayer. And as the relationship grows and deepens, the time will increase the effort will decrease but in the beginning setting up the the habit and and really developing and nourishing that relationship with christ in the beginning it might seem like a task almost like something that you're checking off the paper i did my prayer for today Um, but as time goes on and you become more proficient with your prayer life and more intimate in the relationship with christ i think that time will grow without any effort at all because You'll you'll have that desire to really experience Christ, and that's how you do that is through prayer for most of us. There's other ways as well, but I guess the, the entrance to that relationship is through prayer. Well, let's talk a little bit about the dynamics of prayer. I think one of the things that's consistent with any of us on the spiritual journey is that we need to have an examination of conscience, each day should include an examination of the day's or previous day's events, our behaviors, our trials, our temptations, our struggles, our encounters, our blessings. As one becomes more um, devout with their prayer life, and become and can become more intimate with that relationship with Christ, we can start seeing. God's hand in Christ in the relationships and events of our lives, especially through the encounters with certain peoples, um, the temptations and struggles in our life. As we ponder those and pray about those, we start seeing how God is placing those things in our life, um, either directly or he allows them to happen, for us to grow virtue and become more virtuous and to grow into the man or woman that... Christ desires us to be. So we need to learn from those reflections. That's why we reflect on our life, is to see what is the underlying message of, of what and how God is working in our life. And uh, what are the virtues that we need to work on? You know, there's, a, there's kind of a joke that goes around that says, um, be careful what you pray about, because God will give you exactly that. If you pray that you would like to have more patience in your life, He's going to give you lots of opportunity to learn patience. <laughs> I think if you pray for forgiveness in your life, God will give you many, many opportunities that uh, for you to forgive others. Um, although that's a joke, be careful what you pray for. Um, I think there's some truth in that as well, but we should never really be careful. Um, we should always desire that God's will be done in our life. But when we look back on our reflections in our life, we can look at some of the issues like um, what are our repeating struggles? If you're like me, um, there will be many things in your life that you find that there's a pattern to and that you keep falling from the same temptations or the same vices in your life or similar vices that are in your life that you keep um, falling for. And, and when we reflect on those, we should look at not just what the issue is, but what's the underlying issue. What is it that um, is making us fail in our life, in our spiritual journey? Is it because of pride? Is it because of laziness? Is it because of self-centeredness? What is below the sin or the struggle? And that's what our reflection should be, and that's what we should be praying for help with those so um, we should also be looking at what I do well and where I'm called to grow so as we reflect on those experiences we should gather those experiences together and then when we gather those together in our thoughts we should think about what a plan of action might be um, since many of the sins and struggles and, and uh, episodes of failure seem to repeat themselves in our life We should have a plan of action. That's how we learn from our mistakes. So maybe we can think about when that happens next time, how should I respond to that? And then when we are confronted with that in the future, we already have a plan of action on how maybe we could respond to negate that problem or at least minimize it or to see the growth opportunity in that. So as we're identifying our need for growth, we develop that specific plan to address the situation that we're confronted with, how we're to deal with those temptations, how we're to deal with that specific struggle, and how we're to deal with that person who just drives us nuts. I'm sure we all have those in our life. The other thing to consider though is the state of grace that we're in. It's important that we maintain a state of grace While we're examining our conscience, we're reflecting on our daily experiences, when we're developing our plans of actions, since we need God's intervention and that of the Holy Spirit to guide us towards holiness. It's when we have that state of grace in our life that we're able to um, really connect with God with less of those obstacles that seem to block the grace in our life, and that sin in our life. That's especially why we want to go to confession. We want to do it regularly so we can um, be free of really those obstacles of sin that block God's grace. And maintaining that state of grace, as we advance in the spiritual journey, we'll be confronted with attacks from the devil, an unveiling of our own darkness, and we'll find ourselves weakened. I think Probably one of the most disturbing things that happens to many people as they advance on the spiritual journey is they become to understand themselves more deeply and more intimately. And as you know, we are sinners. There, there, is a, there is a darkness or a dark component to ourselves um, that, that we fail, that we fail to sin, that uh, sins of the devil, sins of the flesh, sins of the world, get the best of us from time to time, and as we advance on that spiritual journey, we start seeing ourselves more like maybe God sees us, um, in 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 perfection, of without rationalizations, that we can start seeing ourselves as who we truly are. We need to be really careful about that. That. Um, that we do look at ourselves as God looks at us as well. Yes, he sees us for who we are. But there's also that love and mercy that he has for us that's uh, unending. So let's talk a little bit about the sacraments. Baptism, confirmation, the Holy Eucharist, anointing of the sick, reconciliation, marriage, and holy orders. It's in the use of and participation in the sacraments that will separate us from despair and strengthen us with those qualities manifested by Christ. There's healing and protection that come from those sacraments. We are to run to the sacraments when we feel under attack, when we feel pressure, when we feel a loss of control, when we're weak, and when we lack hope. It's running especially to confession and the Holy Eucharist that will not only save us, but will nourish us and strengthen us. Confession, the sacrament of reconciliation, wipes away the sin that blocks the grace from God. The word reconcile literally means to make good again, to win over to friendliness. Routine confessions are really a part of a way of life for a Catholic. I'd like to say that most Catholics that I know have routine confessions, but I don't know if that's really accurate. You'll have to decide for yourself. So what is a routine confession for a Catholic? Well, the frequency, we should have a planned and structured routine. Ideally, it would be every two weeks, but for sure, beneficially, would be monthly. You know, I think of Pope John Paul II, Pope John Paul the Great, he went to confession every week. That makes me really ponder my own life. I know he was a holy man. He's a saint now. Not saying that he was perfect, but he was much holier than I am. I, I, can, I could probably bet on that. And he went every week. What was the purpose of going every week? I mean, that he would only know the answer to that, but what I would assume was he realized that all of us are sinners. And even an ounce of sin can block God's grace. And by going to confession and wiping away those sins makes us a vessel that's fully able to accept God's grace in our life. And so think about your own life. How often are you going to confession? How often are you cleansing your soul? And how often are you removing those obstacles to the power of the Holy Spirit and God's grace? Don't we want those in our life to make us better men and women? And then what about the Eucharist? It's the Eucharist that brings us into full and complete union with Christ. It is Christ himself that we consume, and with that consumption we are consumed with his holiness. We are a Eucharistic people. We attend Mass as often as possible, and we live from Mass to Mass. That's a concept that we really need to think about as Catholics, that we don't take the Mass for granted, and that we really think about what is the Mass for me personally and for me as a Catholic. We've been taught that it is the source and summit of our lives. As our source, everything in our life should originate from the Mass. As the summit of our life, there's nothing greater than our life than our experience and relationship at Mass. If we really think about this as the source and summit of our lives, the source, that's the place that we can go to, the person that we can meet, the encounter that we have, that is life itself. There is no substance or person or spirit greater in the world than that that we encounter when we go to Mass. He is there who created everything. He created me, he created my soul. He created everything around me and everything that I can see and I can experience. The creator is there at the mass, the source of everything. And as the summit, there is no greater thing than I'll ever do in my entire life than to be present at the mass. Doesn't matter my education, doesn't matter who I've married. It doesn't matter how much money I have or possessions or status in my life. There is nothing greater than that experience that I will have at the Mass. Let's digress for a minute and go back to really prayer, types of prayer in our life. There's vocal prayer. There's meditative prayer. There's physical prayer. And there's contemplative prayer. And then there's stages of prayer in our life. The purgative stage, the illuminative stage, and the unitive stage. So let's talk about those for a minute. The purgative stage. That's really the beginning stage for many of us in our prayer life. It's where we start purifying ourselves. It can be very painful because we start seeing our sinful nature within ourselves. It's really the act of initiation for many of us that by God's grace, we've had an insight into our life and we can see the unholiness of ourself. And we're drawn to really the power of the Spirit in Christ to be more godly, to be more Christ-like. This can be a very painful stage because we're purifying all that is bad or evil that's been within us. It includes the examination of conscience, because that's where we're really identifying our fallen nature and where we have turned away from Christ. This purgative stage includes dying to ourself. It's putting that self-centered nature beyond us, past us, behind us. It's where we start to detach from the things of the world, those vices in our life, and those things which really are ungodly we have a desire to detach ourselves from them and we start to begin to recognize the bondage of sin how sin with its shackles can really embrace us and trap us into a lot of the habits and addictions in our life as we proceed through the spiritual journey the next is the illuminative stage and this really deals with our intellect our reasoning our memory in our imagination. This is where discernment comes into play. We start getting these little bits of light and grace from God, and he helps us to make decisions in our life that are holy decisions, that are good decisions. It comes; We come to an understanding of the ways of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we begin to kind of decipher through those to see what is of a good nature and what is not of a good nature. We start receiving these insights and a greater understanding of really who God is, who God is as the Lord of everything and who God is in my own life and how that relationship with God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit can really transform a person and can transform me. And then hopefully we can advance to the stage of what's called unitive prayer. This is where your will becomes in union with God's will. I often think of um, some of the saints who through their spiritual journey can feel so close and so united with Christ that they feel such a deep connection and encounter with him. The daily life of a Catholic so how, how do we live our life as a Catholic? Um, I think this can be unique to some, but there are some things that are similarities um, for Catholics. One of the things is the Liturgy of the Hours. This is the, the official prayer of the Church. Some call it the Divine Office as well. And it's a set of prayers that all the religious around the world pray every day. There are many hours designated throughout the day, and I I know priests and deacons are obligated. Um, We promise the bishop that we will participate in the official prayers of the church. And even though we might do this individually, we're connected with the whole body of the church throughout the world. And then many lay people adopt this practice as well. There's something powerful about um, connecting with the church throughout the whole world with the same set of prayers. When I say my morning prayers and my evening prayers, I'm connected with the church around the entire world who have prayed those same prayers, maybe in a different language, but the same exact prayers for their morning prayer and their evening prayer and other prayers throughout uh, the day as well. But as deacons, um, that's what I can speak of is we're obligated to at least do morning prayer and evening prayer and it's that really that divine time where i feel connected with the entire church around the world and i can just imagine how the saints in heaven and god um, can participate in that as well so the daily life of a catholic if possible daily mass it is the source and summit of our life If it's not possible, at least Sunday. And although it's an obligation, um, we should not uh, really um, confront that as just an obligation. It should be our desire to have that encounter with the community, with God's Word, and with Jesus himself in the uh, body and blood of our Savior. We should read scripture every day, at least a little bit. It is the Holy Word. It's the divine revelation. It's in the Scripture. So as a Catholic, we should read at least a little bit of it. One of my favorite ways to read Scripture, well, I have different ways, and I go through different periods in my life, but um, one of my favorite ways is to just open up the Bible, and you start reading, and you read, and you read, and you read, until something hits you. I don't know if it's God's grace or if it's something that's going on in your life, but something has a profound meaning or you're drawn to it. And at that point, you can close your Bible and then you just ponder what that is. You ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten you and you try to learn from the Word of God. Often there'll be a message there of comfort, maybe a message of challenge, but a message there for you to somehow grow in your spiritual life. So contemplation, you know, this is something that many of us maybe rarely do because of our busy lifestyles and our obligations in life, but just to to contemplate who I am in the sight of God, who God desires me to be, and we can also look at really Christ's life and how we can learn from his life. So one type of contemplation is called active contemplation and it's your action where you consciously place yourself into the life of Christ. You move into this mystery largely due to your own human effort. And that's really where you think about God's life. You think about um, what it maybe was like for him in the encounters that he had and the stories that we read in the Bible. What was that really like for him? Um, And we can learn from those, especially the Gospels. And then another type of contemplation is infused contemplation. And that's where it's God's action in you. Yes, you cooperate with God, but your part diminishes and God takes over. The Lord places you within a particular mystery maybe in his life, and he draws you in deeper. I think a nice example would be you place yourself at the foot of the cross as maybe a bystander there. And you start contemplating what that might have been like. You know, the feelings, the emotions, the sounds. You think about Jesus being nailed to that cross and hanging there. And you think about his breathing. You think about the blood. You think about the pain. And then something happens within you. And it becomes less and less about what you're thinking and you're doing. And you're drawn into this deep contemplation where you actually feel that you are present there. And you have sensations and emotions that are probably indescribable, but you know that they're real and you're sensing those. And you're drawn so deeply into that encounter, it almost feels supernatural. And that could be called infused contemplation. There are some cautions, though, I'd really like to talk about. And that's with some of the distractions that we have in prayer. You know, the devil will use all of his powers to try to separate you from God. He's studied you for years, and in many ways, he knows your weaknesses better than you do. So, one of the things we need to do is probably, when that happens, to hand your distractions over to Jesus and Mary and ask for their help. The devil will often give you weak temptations to overcome, to give you a false sense of self-control. He's almost setting you up. And then he hits you with a major distraction. We can never forget how cunning he is. Um, I've heard many priests talk about um, one of their areas of their biggest distraction is right at the holiest time of their life, at the time of the consecration, that it's where they're taking bread and wine, and through the you know, the power of Christ and God and the Holy Spirit, it's being transformed into the body and blood of Christ. There's no holier aspect of a priest's life than the time of consecration. yet that's when they're bombarded at times with distractions. So when we think about our own prayer life, when we pray and then all of a sudden, you know, the phone is ringing, or we're trying to have this intimate, internal conversation with God, and then we have these disturbing thoughts that come into our mind, or we start thinking about our shopping list, or we think about the things that we need to do. It's right at that moment that we need to ask for Jesus Mary and Mary's help to take those distractions away and, and really to not let ourself and the devil get in the way of our intimacy with Christ. So there's lots of ways that you can pray. And I just want to share a couple of those with you. But one of them, and this is actually a pretty effective, although simple uh, method, is you make it you make a really a profound effort to think of Jesus as a present person in your life. You can set up where you're going to sit down to pray, but put a chair right next to you, an empty chair, and imagine him sitting in that chair next to you and start a conversation with him. Somehow that empty chair gives you a tangible reference point that it's not just this mystical, you know, spiritual being that you're trying to connect with, but that there's actually a physical chair there and you can imagine him sitting there and then have a conversation with him. The other thing that's very powerful is using the name of Jesus. You know, there's power in Jesus' name. And so just saying his name over and over again, different rhythm, different tones, you decide. But using the rhythmic Jesus prayer brings power. And, and really ignites the uh, Holy Spirit around you. Some will say that they have a routine of saying part of Jesus as they inhale, and then part of the word as they exhale. And they can come into a rhythm with that, and it becomes a very spiritual method for them. One of my favorites, though, is what I call the nature prayer. It's actually removing myself from my usual surroundings and I go into the forest, especially if there's trickling streams or birds chirping, um, tall pine trees. Where I can kind of lose myself in, in the environment. And I just think of, um, without the distractions, I can think more clearly of who Jesus is in my life and, uh, and really ponder some great and wonderful things. I love being in nature. Um, it's one of my, my favorite things to do so a couple other methods one is what they call spending the day with Jesus um, you you know visually or mentally um, take him along with you when you hop in the car you make you clear off the seat so Jesus can sit down with you as you go through the store you kind of visualize that Jesus is walking with you when you're running your errands whatever you're doing you feel that um, almost like a little kid would have their pretend friend but you have Jesus with you and um, and you acknowledge him, and you're spending the day with him. And, and, and that actually is very powerful because when you have different encounters with different people and you're thinking that Jesus is right there at your side, you think about, well, how would he respond or how would he want me to respond? So uh, it's a very powerful method. Um, for some people, they call the body prayer an effective thing. You use your hands and your feet and your body to really worship you know, put your hands above your head and you reach out towards heaven. That might be periods of, uh, of joy and, uh, you know, exultations. And, uh, it might be periods of, uh, sorrow and, uh, periods of lament. Um, but you can use your whole body to reach up to the heavens or reach out to God in your prayer. When, whenever you'd like to really go deep with your prayer life, um, one method of prayer is really looking for the joyful memories in your life, and contemplating those, and where God's hand was in there. You can also look at the sorrowful periods of your life, um, and you could also look at the jo- the glorious times of your life. Especially glorious, I always think of uh, childbirth. Um, not. Well, actually, that would probably be the sorrowful for the lady, but <laughs> the end result, uh, the, the glorious of what comes. And there's no, there's no beautif- be- more beautiful thing in life than to see life become you know, present to the world and uh, very glorious and it's a very holy and spiritual time. You know, another, gosh, on the extreme opposite of the spectrum, another very, very holy time is when someone's at the very end of their life. When they're almost to take their last couple of breaths, and they are to leave this world. I can recall that uh, being at my mother's side when she passed away. It was probably one, and my wife agrees with, this, me, with me on this too for her, it's probably one of the holiest times of my life to see her really surrender and then to um, really leave this world and uh, a little smile on her face after she took her last breath. She was a very holy lady, suffered a lot in her life, and I can just assume that she was met by Jesus and escorted into heaven. And you could tell by the smile on her face as she passed from this world that something similar to that must have happened. A very holy time. Um, I think I mentioned earlier, reading the scripture It should be part of our prayer life. We should be doing that. Um, For some of you that are gifted much more than myself, um, singing, singing a prayer is wonderful. Um, If you're around, you won't want me singing a prayer. (laughs) Um, Not one of my gifts. But um, for some of you, gosh, you have beautiful voices, and I, I love listening to that as well. I can imagine how God in heaven and Jesus and all the saints and our departed brothers and sisters love to hear you sing. Um, exercise prayer. Um, I haven't done it in, in a while. I um, wish I was in better shape. But um, when I used to run, I used to be able to, in the cadence of running, uh, I would uh, be able to pray. And um, that's a wonderful way to really um, to energize your body, is to, uh, is to pray as you exercise. Um, you know, one of the most powerful prayers and I think some of the times we take it for granted, is the Our Father. When, when Jesus was asked, how do you pray, what was his response? It was the Our Father. And if you really uh, decipher the prayer, there's three elements of the prayer that's to the Father, there's three elements of that prayer that's to the Son, and three elements to the Holy Spirit. Um, I love that, the nine phases of prayer through the Our Father. So the first three to our Father are our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Each one of those can be a reflection. And I think it was St. Therese who used to ponder this prayer and she would start off with our Father who art in heaven. And actually she couldn't go any further she pondered just that one brief line, our Father who art in heaven. And that could be the focus of her prayer for hours and hours and hours of what does that mean and what does that mean to me and our Father who's in heaven and what is heaven and what was heaven created to be and what is it like there and Him our Father, what does that mean as God our Father? And what does it mean for all fathers in the world? And and can you imagine just taking your time with this prayer and what it would reveal um, to you? You know, what Jesus, when he said things, they always had a reason and a purpose. And there's a reason and a purpose of why he said, this is the way we should pray. So the The part of the Our Father that's directed to Jesus is, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. And then to the Holy Spirit, as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus said he would send us the Holy Spirit to be our guide, to inspire us, and to really lead us through our lives. So there needs to be an effort on our side to really identify the Holy Spirit and the workings of the Holy Spirit in our life. For many of us, um, the Holy Rosary is really a big part of the Catholic life. St. John Paul II, St. John Paul the Great, um, really had a devotion to the rosary. Now, I need to make this clear that the rosary is a devotion. It's not a dogma of our faith. If you're someone that doesn't want to do pray the rosary, you don't have to. That's voluntary. But for so many, the rosary has been such a big part, inspiring part, comforting part to their life. If you don't pray the rosary, maybe contemplate trying it for a while, not just one night or two nights or three days, but doing it continuously for a while and to see what fruit may come from it. You know, the Blessed Mary, her whole purpose in life is to bring us and to draw us and to divide us into relationship with Christ. And when you think about the prayers of what the rosary is, it really is uh, Christ's life. It's meditating on the mysteries of Christ's life. And also gives us an opportunity to use Mary's assistance and uh, her uh, divine intervention to help us unite with Christ. Boy, I'm sharing a lot of stuff with you guys today. I'm probably gone too far already. <laughs> But one of the things to think about with the spiritual journey is that we really can't do it on our own, since you are not God, and you are not self-sufficient in um, in your own life. Um, you only know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. So many of us need a mentor as a guide because we can't guide ourselves. Like I said, we're limited with our understanding. I think everybody needs a mentor. Uh, In Proverbs, a fool is ever right to his own thinking. The wise listen to advice. So, so many saints have said, to really grow in your spiritual life and to travel that life uh, where you're growing ever so closer to Christ, it's good to have a spiritual director in your life someone who is a holy person, someone who is wise, and not so much that they're going to tell you exactly what to do in your life, but they can be just a wonderful reflection of, of really the Christ's workings in your life. And someone that you can run ideas past and really can um, maybe open your eyes to hear yourself and to see where God is there. And maybe where God uh, is not there in your life. Well, that was a lot I shared with you. And I could go on and on, but um, I want to limit the show um, so I don't bore you. (laughs) So I hope um, you can really think about your prayer life. You can think about your relationship with Christ. And maybe if there's even one thing that I shared with you today Um, that you could start incorporating that into your life. Well, as you hear the music coming on, that means our show is coming to an end. And I'd like to wish you a wonderful, wonderful day. I hope that you can grow ever closer to Christ and that God will always remain within your heart. God bless and have a wonderful day.